have hopeful travel. When we travel, we get to know people who are different than we are. We hear different perspectives and we better understand other stories. We learn to stand with people instead of just having opinions on issues. I'm your host, Katie Axison. Today we're learning from my new friend, Kalina Powell. Kalina is a deaf queen boss. She's an entrepreneur, a life coach, an activist, an author. She's passionate about guiding and supporting people with disabilities to try different tools and strategies to reach their full potential. Today she's here to educate us a little bit about her own experience. Kalina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Thank you so much for being willing to share your perspective because I think it's going to be one that's really helpful and I'm excited to get to learn from you. So let's just jump right in. Um, I know, do you prefer the term hard of hearing? Do you prefer the term deaf? I go with both. Okay. Um, but I know a lot of people just refer to me as a hard of hearing person. Okay. I want to do whatever you prefer. So okay. <laughs> um, have you always um, been hard of hearing or was that a new development throughout your life? Um, I would say that I was, when I was growing up, I was known as deaf mm -hmm. and the term of hard of hearing did not come into later in my life. Oh, interesting. Okay. They were creating new terms for people who wear hearing aids sure. compared to those who do not wear hearing aids and those who does ASL compared to myself. I wear hearing aids, but mm -hmm. I don't do ASL. Okay. I do ASL, but I am hearing, so it hardly counts. Yeah. And so were you born deaf? No, I was not born deaf. I became okay. deaf at the age of four due to an ear infection. Oh, wow. So do you have memories before that? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah, I had a lot of memories. Um, you know, I was a normal kid, you know, yeah. just having fun, normal hearing. And um, I was going to the daycare. I was, I was in daycare. I know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did your experience change after losing your hearing? I would say it changed a lot just because of the daycare. I was prescribed an eardrop for my ear infection, and they didn't follow the instruction. Mm. However, the same day, um, they didn't. The same day they did not follow the instruction. I actually became deaf when I got home. Wow! So that whole time frame of period, my hearing was dropping, and mm -hmm. I wouldn't even notice. And um. So from that memory, I remember my mom was calling me in front of the TV, and I didn't even hear her. The TV was actually loud. I didn't even know. And not until um, when my mom tapped me on my shoulder, and she's like, I've been calling you. And I literally jumped. And wow. I was like, and I looked at her, and I'm like, I can't hear you. And she's like, what? But your TV's loud. But then my mom's like, okay, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so like, she was talking to me, and she turned on the volume. Mm -hmm. I still couldn't hear her. And I told my mom, like, mom, I cannot hear you. Mm -hmm. So luckily, my grandma came rushed from the hospital because my mom phoned her. My grandma was actually a nurse at the time, thankfully. Yeah. And so she was just like doing assessments with me. And then my grandma said, This is not a joke. She could not mm -hmm. hear anything at all. Mm. And so we called my family doctor right away to see if we can see him during that day. And unfortunately, he was booked. He said, Come the next morning. So we went to the next morning, and there's nothing we can do. I officially became deaf. Wow. And, yeah. Seeing my family drop the eyes. I remember, you know, my grandma just came to me. She smiled at me, gave me a big hug. I could see my mom was so overwhelmed because she's like, there's no one in the family that is deaf. So, like, mm -hmm. how are we going to communicate with her? Like, what are, what is the next step for this yeah. little girl? Like, how, and she's four years old. She didn't know anything, you know? So, 
yeah so that was my story I was very confused I was lost I couldn't hear anything at all because I'm looking at my doctor why he kept looking at my ear like what's happening mm-hmm. and so how did you learn to communicate at that point honestly they tried to communicate with me through like the paper and I, I don't even remember how they ended up communicating I I think my mom would try to write some stuff. I would, my writing was not that bad when I was four. I was very smart. Mm-hmm. And I could tell like, what's happening. And then I was just, yeah, I don't I don't even know. Honestly, I feel like I, I remember my grandma just came to me. She tried to say something to me. And I kind of, I don't know how, but I kind of figured she said, but I was really nervous. That's right. when I became deaf. And it, I don't know. It was just some programming thing for like the deaf community that we have where we really live. Mm-hmm. And so that, yeah, it was very difficult. I honestly don't know how we communicate. We, I honestly didn't even stay away for two days until we saw an audiologist. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you read lips. Is that your primary form of communication now? Uh, yes, and plus my hearing aid. Okay. Got it. What's it like? Help us understand a little bit living in two different worlds, the hearing world and the deaf world. Um, well, I would been into a deaf school. And okay. hearing school, so okay. I was able to balance between two communities. It was very hard at first because I didn't know why I was put into two different uh, communities. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I was learning a lot of ways to accommodate myself in the deaf community versus the deaf community. It was totally different, and it was so sad. The point where I had to teach my teachers in the hearing school to teach me properly. Mm. It was bad. And I was like, well, what the heck? So now I'm growing mm. up and I'm thinking about it. It's like, you are a teacher. How do you not know how to accommodate a student? Mm. So it's like, you should be learning that when you're in teacher college or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just thinking, I, I was like, okay, something got weird, you know? And it was very difficult at first because I didn't know who I was. Mm. You know, do I fit in the hand community more? Do I fit in the deaf community more? Like, I didn't know who I was. It was just a split personality shift I had. I was sure. more comfortable in the deaf community when I was younger. And then the hearing school, I was not comfortable at all. I, you know, sometimes the point where I lied to my mom and said, I don't want to go to the hearing school in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I tried to convince my mom to make me go there full time. But then my mom was like, no, I need to learn how to um, communicate because I want you to learn how to speak for yourself and advocate for yourself, especially when you mm-hmm. get older. Mm-hmm. So you talked about teachers needing to learn appropriate accommodations. And I think that that's a broader comment too of in that experience, it was the teachers, but I think we as the general hearing population are not great at accommodating people who are different than we are. So can you educate us a little bit about what are some awesome accommodations and what are some not so great things? I would say the first not-so-great accommodation is just don't assume that a student with a disability should always sit at the front of the mm. classroom. Okay. I feel like you need to have that shared conversation with the students and say, hey, how can we move you around in the classroom? Mm. And instead of just assuming, for example, I remember in high school, the teacher literally said, oh, I have a special seat in the front seat. It made me uncomfortable because it's like, I don't need a special seat, right. you know? So I was just like, I was completely fine in the middle, not the back of the class. Hell no. I don't put sure. me in the back of the class. I don't <laughs> have to pay attention. And uh-huh. I put him in a total, do not put me in the back of the class. If you see me talking to my friend in the back of the class, put me back in my seat, yeah. you know? And 
to always remind me, you know, like, Kalina, I remember we had a conversation, you're not doing your work, like, mm-hmm. can you hear me okay? And also, too, I always follow the conversation, especially for students with disabilities, because we usually have IEP. I know a lot of teachers don't read it. A mm-hmm. lot of teachers just look at it, but they're not reading what needs to be required for the students. Mm-hmm. And for example, I was watching a movie or video, and there was no closed caption. And the, my teacher's like, oh, there's no, oops, I forgot. They didn't have, mm. it's like, really? And um, third thing is, be very open and honest with your students, especially during parent interview. Okay. Be honest with the, you know, I had, I had teachers that told my mom the next story, and I'm like, no, that's not what happened. Even my, I had a, IP teacher who came in the picture and she was doing all the work and a lot of teachers were improving but um the really great thing to do for accommodation to continue is um always make sure your students feel welcome I did mm. feel welcome I did I'm not gonna lie however there, there's still a lot more work that needs to be done mm-hmm. how about if somebody has like a deaf coworker or a deaf friend or they go to church to somebody who's deaf like how do we build strong relationships in that way and be accommodating without making the deafness the center of the relationship just ask them what can you do what can you do mm. about it you know okay yeah and ask them what is important and how can they communicate better i know some people prefer especially when you are going out mm-hmm. and you're going for dinner go to a quiet environment don't go to a very noisy restaurant and go somewhere where it has a lot of light so mm-hmm. that the deaf person can see your lip. Mm, that's a good call out. Yeah. I had an experience in college, actually. I was in the cafeteria with one of my friends who was deaf, and she was struggling to hear me. And I was like, well, let's move to a different spot. That's fine. And then she, before we moved, she got a phone call. So we're still sitting in the loud spot, and she's talking on her phone. And I was like, well, let's move, and you can take your phone call like in the quiet spot. She goes, no, actually, I can hear on the phone way better than I can hear you because it's right in my ear. And I was like, things I had never thought about before. Yeah, because usually I feel like when something is close to our ears, we can mm-hmm. hear very better than face to face. Yeah. Because your, your voice is not close to our ears, if that right. makes sense. So yeah. I, I agree with her. I you can hear way better on my cell phone than I am face to face because it's right sure. in my ear. Yeah. I had never thought about it that way before. And I thought like as a hearing person, I would struggle to take a phone call in this environment. So I'm not at all surprised. But then I was surprised when she could. And I was like, well, that's a gift that I don't have. <laughs> We've talked a lot about that, the deafness so far, but the you're also a woman of color. Do you prefer the term woman of color? Do you prefer some other terminology? No, I prefer women of color. Women of color? Okay. And so what's your experience look like as a, as a um, deaf woman of color? That's um, a couple different things, like, strike against you, for lack of a better explanation. I'm, I would say there's a lot of difficulty, especially trying to get your support going versus the non-color of women mm-hmm. have the disability. I feel like they have more access to things than we do, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, and again, also to just lack of consistency for the women of color. Sure. You know? And I feel like a lot of us see that a lot of time, especially for me, it's double more because I'm deaf. Right. So it's very hard to get myself out there as much as I can versus the non-color. Mm. And I feel like it's going to be that way, but, I mean, we have to keep pushing forward and keep going and keep educating other people about it. 
and just really that's how that's how my experiences are sure with your perspective you're able to offer us something that's very unique that we don't always get to hear from being a deaf woman of color is a totally different experience than my experience as a hearing white woman and so being able to learn from one another i think brings a really valuable conversation yeah exactly what are some challenges that you face because of these identities I would say able to ask for help. You know, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people, like, they will help you, but they're not fully helping you in a way how you wish they could. Mm -hmm. And then when you turn your head, you see the exact same person had you, but not a non-color person. And they're getting more help than you are. And you're like, why? Why Mm -hmm. is it different? Like, we're both in one umbrella, I would say. Sure. The only difference is the same color. But it's like, we're both having a disability. There should not be no way of treating people non-equally. For example, the police situation, that is so out of the line when they see someone of color versus a non-color. It's the same thing as someone who is a woman of color and have a disability. It's the same thing. Yeah. What is supportive to make sure that that we, as people who have different experiences, are still supporting your experience? I would say always have an open conversation. A lot of people are not comfortable having these type of conversations. Sometimes you have to have it. And in order for us to move forward, especially mm. the future, it's tomorrow, literally, if you think about it. If you don't have these conversations today, how are we going to supposed to improve ourselves for the future if we don't have this uncomfortable conversation? And mm. it's, I always tell people it's super important to have it because you just never know what it would take you. And you mm-hmm. never know who needs the support, especially when you open your mouth and you think, listen, that's just not fair. Yeah. And we need to improve. It's the mm-hmm. same thing with all the things that's going on in the world. Everybody now using social media, a way of awareness, you know, keep going, keep pushing out there. And I feel like the great way to support someone is by just having that open discussion and ask them, like, hey, have you heard about this news? How do you feel about it? You know, have that open discussion and always be mindful of what how you're saying things. I know a lot of people take things offensive. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, just be careful, be cautious. I understand having an uncomfortable situation can not get you far, but it will get you somewhere. Mm, yeah. I feel like sometimes it's hard, especially if I'm in relationship with someone, and we've had relationship for a long time, it's hard to be able to say, oh, am I doing this thing that's not actually helpful if it's never been confronted or anything there? And so I always tell people, like, blame it on the podcast. Like, I was listening to this podcast the other day. The guest said this. Is that your experience, too? And use the podcast to start the conversation. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) What is, is there anything that people tend to do thinking they're being supportive that's really counterproductive? Um, there's so many things, especially myself <laughs> as a deaf person. I know people try to open their mouth so much. So, for example, when they be like, "How are you?" Mm-hmm. I they move the lips super wide, like they're stupid. And I'm always telling people, "Stop doing that." <laughs> <laughs> like I never said that. I never said mm-hmm. to open your mouth. I just said, "Repeat again what you're saying." So a lot of time, I always tell people when someone who's deaf asking you to repeat the words repeat the word slowly and softer mm. that's a great way of repeating the words properly so they can understand okay words are coming out so definitely that's number one definitely um sure. number two is um 
always, always, always be consistent when you're advocating for someone. Don't be advocating for them one day and the next day you're not. For example, mm. in my Instagram story, they just put the caption on, finally. But, however, you see content creator put the closed caption, but the next story they don't have. It. And you're like, I thought you wanted to be acceptable. Mm-hmm. Be consistent when you're putting closed caption on your content. So that's definitely another, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I every once in a while I will miss a closed caption on my content and I'm like oh shoot I just forgot I'm so sorry (laughs) (laughs) the intent is to get in there and then sometimes something I got distracted it didn't happen exactly a lot of time people don't realize because they're so busy they're probably doing it while they're out and then they're like shoot wait shit you know Uh it happened to me before that's why I always save my video I always save it in case if I forget the closed caption or sometimes the closed caption doesn't work yeah. And you like, no, I'm just save it. And when I'm not busy, I upload the video. That's a great idea. And yes, sometimes the closed caption doesn't work. I've re-recorded content because Instagram's like, there's nothing here to caption. And I was like, oh, but there is. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like, try again. And it's like, no. And I was like, oh. Yeah, I know. It happened to me before, like, so many times. And I'm always like, I honestly want to support Instagram so bad. I'm like, listen, do something yeah. with the closed caption, please. Right. I mean, I remember when Instagram didn't have closed captions, and so I'm glad that they finally have them, but they're so they can do so much better. Yeah, exactly. A lot. <laughs> yeah. So closed captionings are something that's helpful. What else is helpful? Um, I would say always be careful of your term, just like the way you asked me. Kalina, would you prefer deaf or hard of hearing? Always mm-hmm. ask them okay. um, what term they prefer better, because a lot of people have their own specific way of defining themselves always ask them just so that they know that um, you are being conscious how you representing yourself and them right mm-hmm. uh, the third thing is I would say is definitely um, be mindful of when you ask for help I know a lot of people just, just go to I would say assume too much especially when they're helping okay. a deaf person so for example I don't know if um, for example my friend of mine whatever yeah and we were for that restaurant. She ordered my dinner, like she ordered what I wanted. And I'm like, girl, I can order my food. Like, don't worry. She's like, oh, okay, I'm just trying to help. Sure. Don't do that. You know, sure. just ask, like, hey, would you like me to order the food for you or would you like to order yourself? Mm. Always ask. Always, always ask. And I feel like when people ask, um, we will appreciate you even asking because okay. you are being thoughtful and helpful for us. And yeah. that's the best way to help us. Sure. Yeah. I think of that like that's such a common thing for so many different people who are different in situations. Like I think of say one of my friends who we went out to lunch and she had her baby with her and we she needed like ketchup or whatever and she was going to take the baby with her and I was like first of all I'm just going to go get your ketchup but second of all you could have left the baby with me. I would have watched your baby while you go get the ketchup. Um and she's like thank you. Um, but I asked, like, can I go get this for you versus just assuming and walking away from the table? And so I feel like that's such a an easy accommodation to do with everyone. Exactly. It's very easy. I feel like people sometimes think it's, it's they're trying to be nice, but they're not. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people to take that mindset out and just always act because yeah. you just never know. Yeah, that's good. And so obviously we talked about school. You have finished school. Now you're a life coach. Tell us a little bit about how you got into life coaching. Honestly, I didn't even think I was going to become a life coach. Just to be honest with everybody, um, mm. I actually wanted to become a neurosurgeon. Actually. Oh, wow. Yes, but then 
I just realized that because of me being deaf, the 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 technology is not improved in the medical field yet. Mm. Um, so that's kind of made me kind of step back. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I want to become a psychologist. I want to become a counselor where I can help someone. Yeah. And so it's very funny because I was looking at my research on psychology. What type of psychologist do I want to be? Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what happened, but I saw a life coach on the yeah. on the description. And I'm like, what the heck is a life coach? Because I'm located in Canada, so coach life coach is not very popular compared to the States and mm-hmm. any other country. And so I looked it up, I'm like, okay, let me see what life coach is. And I looked and I'm like, well, I actually like it. And I focused on the positive psychology instead of the negative psychology. Mm. Um, I feel like negative psychology is not something I want to always touch base on because it makes me uncomfortable talking about trauma and this and this and that. But I'd rather just help my clients to focus on right now. How can mm-hmm. we get to your end goal? Like, how can we? I love helping people achieve their goals. I'm that type of person. Yeah. And and that's like maybe I should stick to that. And then so moving forward, I met my mentor, and she thought that I should do a lot of podcasting and networking and all that. And I'm like, me podcasting? Hell no. If you tell me to go back to when I was be like two years ago, I would have been like me. No, 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 no. <laughs> And she's like, yeah. no, like, we need more voices like yours, especially you are interacting super well with the hearing community, and now you're interacting with the deaf community. That's super fascinating. You know how many people would love to hear your story? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah. And then she also, on top of that, um, invited me on an app called Clubhouse. And I went on Clubhouse. There was a one specific room I ran into. It was called Life Coach versus Psychology. Mm. I'm like, Ooh, I need to be in this room to listen and I was learning the pros and cons between the two careers mm-hmm. and then I realized that and I asked a question I went on the stage and I asked a couple questions and they asked her and I realized I'm like maybe life coach would be the best one for me so mm-hmm. I started doing more digging I actually hire a lot of uh, business coach business mentor who can help me guide me how to have a business coach and so it was really cool and then I started it I liked it I started off with two clients three clients very slowly because um, mm-hmm. I was not about to get so many clients all at once no I just yeah. wanted to get into it and I loved it and I realized how how there's not that much um skills out there for people who are looking for like an assistant in their life because everybody needs someone a buddy Mm-hmm. Need that person so being that life coach I can help them to get further in their life and it just makes me drive like oh my god I want to help them more yeah. versus a psychologist they go by the school they go by the book so it's like that's not something I want to have or do with the client that's not my sense of want and mm-hmm. so that's why I choose to become a life coach very cool and so do you still like work with mental health yes I still do okay, okay. So why, what drew you to like that? How did you, do the two fields merge together? Um, not really. I guess I would say because of my personal experience. So I know what it's like to be Mm -hmm. in their shoes. So that's why I wanted to do mental health. And there's not a lot of awareness in mental health and the disability community, unfortunately. Yeah. Why does mental health matter? Um, Mental health matters so much. It's because you don't know when you will be hard on yourself and also to myself like I've been through so much in my mental health and I don't even realize that and it's and it made me lost weight it made me mm. lost 
the cause health problems and so it's very important for us to really look out for ourselves and really understand what we have and so that way we can improve ourselves day by day yeah that's so good I feel like taking care of our mental health needs to be a priority and unfortunately I feel like it's not often prioritized no it's not and it sucks because I see people take their own life right and and it's not fair because there's not a lot of support out there it's not a lot of um like not a lot of figure that looks like them can help them and it's very unfortunate and there's a lot of them who offer too much you know Mm -hmm. and what I mean by too much is they it's too much money for certain people not everybody can afford a coach right now Mm -hmm. and that's why I'm creating my coach my coaching business to be affordable for people so that way people can afford it I don't want people to suffer because they can't afford it it's like that's not fair yeah that's so good what are other barriers that prevent people from um, hiring a coach? Um, I would say not understanding what the goal is. I feel like a lot of people just jump too much because some people may go for the money or some people may go for, I don't know, for so many reasons. And for me, honestly, the barriers I would say is really understanding if you and the client can actually work together. I feel like people just jump into it and not offering free 30 minute call with the client just to make sure like, hey, is this something that I can do for you or is this something mm-hmm. that I cannot do for you? Sure. So I think that is the biggest bear of a lot of time I hear. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your coaching business. What kind of offerings do you have? So for me, I offer one-on-one couples and I'm now looking into group. Because I know a lot of people who have a disability don't have friends. Mm. Um, so I would love to offer group sessions so anybody can meet each other and really um, have a buddy that they can go to instead of coming to me. And so my I offer one-on-one. So however, my one-on-one, um, I do once-a-week session with the client for one hour and a half. And we will work on different tools and as well work on your goals. And I will be sending out emails regarding to how we can improve, making sure that we are on top of each um, each other's case. And also, too, I will be also offering a lot of help in terms of resume tips, job offer, how can you get yourself out there more, and how can we, um, and how can you improve your self-esteem, your confidence, your anxiety, depression, how can we work on that? How can we improve your mental health moving forward? Yeah, that's so good. Where can we find you online? Um, so I have two things to look for. So the first one is Instagram, which is Jeff Queen Boss. The second one is my website, which is KalinaEmpowerment.com. Okay, great. We will link to those in the show notes as well. And then you're the author of two books. Tell us about the books. Definitely. Um, so my first book is called Every Day I Am Just Deaf. So it's about me being deaf in the hearing community. It's a poetry book, by the way. So don't think it's too long because it's not. It's only 94 pages. So don't worry about it. Because um, I know a lot of people don't like reading books for too long. So I just made it like a poetry book. And mm-hmm. my second book called Change Makers. So it's where all eight, I would say nine or ten of us, uh, which is young professionals who coming together write their story and each other's chapters, which is very cool and fascinating because you get to learn about other entrepreneurs too inside the book. Very cool. And yeah. can we find those on your website? You can find those on Amazon and okay. I'm going to add those on my website as well. I am also building up my website very, very like right now. <laughs> we are always building up our websites, right? We always yeah. want to do more with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
One of the questions that we always like to hear from different perspectives is what do you wish everyone knew? I just wish that I wish everyone knew it that not every deaf person you meet cannot speak. I noticed that a lot of people that every time people see me and they I talk and they're like, You're deaf and you talk like that? Oh my god. Like it's not even funny. I'm like, Yes, I talk and I'm deaf. Like, mm-hmm. come on, get it together. So I just I wish everyone knew that there are deaf people who do speak. Yeah. And they've probably worked really hard to be able to speak well. Yeah. <laughs> What's something you've learned recently? Something I learned recently is that I learned that tomorrow is not a promise. You just have to live your life to the fullest today. Mm, That's so good. That's such a hard reality, but also a true reality. It is hard. Kalina, thank you so much for your time today. This has been so insightful. You've been able to help me see things a little bit differently, to help learn from your perspective, to help hear your story. So thank you so much for being willing to share it with us. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. As always, a big thanks for listening. Be sure to connect with Kalina online to continue to learn from her. Her links are in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, check out episode 65 with Isalie Sanderson. She's the daughter of deaf adults and the mother of a deaf child. Hear how her experience is similar and how it's different. It would mean a lot to me if you hit the five stars in the podcasting app you are listening on. Leaving a review is how guests know that their stories are safe here. Be sure to follow for the opportunity to learn from more perspectives. New episodes come every other Monday. Until next time, friend, know that you are loved, know that you matter, know that your story has value. We will see you again soon.